Welcome back to our summer series. We're in the summer series called Abraham, Genesis of Faith. And what a great series this is. And in this series, we're tracking with this guy named Abram, whose name later on becomes Abraham. But it's the beginning of this faith journey that God invites us to with him, a journey of following him and trusting him. And what we've seen is this, is that God called this guy Abram who was living in Ur, the Chaldeans, and it was a different kind of world over there. There was idol worship. And, and God said, Abram, leave your country, leave your people, your father's household, and go to a land I will show you. And he said, I will make your name great, right? I will make you into a great nation. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Follow me. And so Abram leaves, going but not knowing. But he goes a thousand miles from there are the Chaldeans all the way to Canaan, modern day Israel. And he arrives and he worships. And what we've said is it's this, it's not about the destination. It's about the relationship. It's about following God and trusting God. You see, here's how most people live. Most people live like this. They're like, I know what I want to do with my life. I know where I want to go. And I've got it all mapped out. And God, I just need you to come and bless it. That's all. You stay over there, but you just kind of bless it, right? And instead, God's going, no, 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 no. You're missing it. I'm sovereign. I'm in control. You follow me. And if we would learn to live open-handed, we would learn to live, God, you have all this planned out. And God, I'm going to trust you. And God, I'm going to follow you. And we watch God do what only God can do. And that's the journey of faith. That's the journey to follow. That's the journey to trust. And for Abram, it was the journey of a lifetime. I mean, God did more in his life than he could have ever dreamed or ever imagined. And that's what God wants to do with us. And we're on that journey. And it's a journey of faith. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to Genesis 15. We're going to be in Genesis 15 and 16 today. Now, if you don't have a Bible, we have some Bibles in the back. Uh, you can go grab one. Just put your name in it. It's yours. We'd love for you to have it. Uh, also, if you're watching online, you can pull up the Scriptures on version, Or if you're here and have a mobile device, uh, we'll also put the Scripture on the screen so you can follow along uh, with God's Word. But Genesis 15 and 16, first book of the very Bible, the very beginning right here. And we're going to be unpacking these two great chapters. Genesis 15 is kind of that, that bedrock chapter of the Old Testament. I mean, it is just so good. And it just lays it out what God is calling us to. So pick up here and it says in chapter 15, verse 1, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Now, what is after this referring to? Well, it goes back to Genesis 14. And last week, Pastor Nick did a great job talking about what happened in Genesis 14? And remember when Abram came into the promised land, he came into this land of Canaan, and, and Lot, his nephew, was with him, and Lot goes, hey, I'll take that land. It's beautiful, right? But over in that land was Sodom, and that was a wicked, immoral city, and Lot moves over there, and he pitches his tent right next to Sodom and the wickedness of that culture and that day, and then he just kind of moves closer and closer in, and ultimately some kings come, and they defeat Sodom, and they take everybody off. But Abram, he's got 318 trained men with him, and he takes off and he pursues them, catches them 160 miles later, defeats those kings, and brings back Lot. And so Abram is there. God gives him this vision after all this has happened. And he said, Abram, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. We don't know whether Abram was worried that those kings were going to retaliate. We don't know what was going on, but we know this, that God spoke to him. And, and I want to say this. Maybe God brought you here today. And maybe there's some anxiety or there's some worry or there's some fear. 
maybe this is just for you. Do not be afraid. Put your name right there. Do not be afraid, Jessica. Do not be afraid, Sam. Do not be afraid, Ben. I am your shield. God says, I am your shield. I am your protector. I am your provider. And your very great reward. That is so powerful, you guys. To think about, is God enough for us? Can we understand that whatever happens in life, that God, you are enough for me. When Abram comes back, he has all the spoils of this war of defeating these kings. And he goes to Sodom. He says to the king of Sodom, here, take it all. And this king of Sodom goes, no, you can have it. And he goes, no, no, no. I don't want anybody to think they made me rich. It's only the Lord who provides for me. And he took a tenth and he goes to the, the king, Melchizedek, this high priest in Jerusalem. And he gives a tenth there. And he just says, listen, this is my tithe back to God. My trust is in him. My faith is in him. He is my provider. And for Abram, he was living this life of faith. That's what God calls us to, to trust. God's with us. He won't leave us. But Abram said, oh, sovereign Lord, I do have a question. What can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Abram's like, God, you, you called me in here. You said you were going to make me into a great nation. But, but God, I don't know if you know this, but I'm 86 and I have no children. And back then the custom was if you had no children, then your head servant, you know, he would inherit everything, Eleazar of Damascus. And so here's Abram just kind of laying it out. God, have you forgotten about me? And maybe you're here today and you kind of wonder that. And you're like, hey, God, you know, uh, do you know what's going on in my life? In my job, my career, I wanted to have a family, I wanted to this. God, where are you? And there's such a societal pressure, right? And we feel this. There's such a societal pressure to be married by a certain age or to have X number of kids or be able to retire early or have this much money. And, and, and so all this societal pressure, it kind of weighs on us. And sometimes we wonder, God, where are you? What, what's going on? And as Americans, man, we want everything now, right? We are like an instant gratification society. I mean, we've got instant coffee, as bad as it is. We've got, you know, drive-throughs. We've got, you know, if it takes longer than five seconds to download something, we're like, man, is my machine broken? What's going on? I mean, it's like, we want it, we want it now. And God is saying, no, 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 listen, listen, you're my servant. Sometimes we think God is this genie in a bottle. We rub it, you know, and God grants all of our wishes. But God's going, no, no, my timing is perfect. And I will fulfill my promise for you. God is faithful to fulfill his promises. And he says to Abram, and he says to us, you just wait. And maybe society's doing all this stuff. Maybe you feel this pressure. But listen, listen, I am in control. You hold on to me. So he says, the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you could count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Have you ever been outside like when you're camping and you just go out and look at the stars? And there's not all the artificial light that we have, you know, that, that kind of blocks them out. And when you go outside, you're kind of like, yeah, there's a few stars. But I mean, you're talking like pitch black. I mean, Abraham, pitch black. 
And he looks up, he's like, whoa. <laughs> and God's going, yeah, that's what I'm doing. You trust me. You hold on to me. You just wait. And then verse 6. Verse 6 is kind of like the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. You know, like John 3.16 is a key in the New Testament. John 3.16 in the Old Testament is this in verse 6. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abram believed, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't understand it. But, but God, I believe you. And you're enough for me. And I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. And I'm going to hold on to you. And I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to walk in obedience to you. I love you. Abraham believed. And God credited him as righteousness. Even at the very beginning, it was all about this relationship with God. See, we try to make it about religion, don't we? We want to come, we want to get our check marks, you know, or maybe, maybe if my good can outweigh my bad. And all the while, God is drawing our hearts to him. God is saying, no, 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 I want a relationship with you. I want, I want you to know me and I want to know you. I want you to be mine. And we see that right here. Now, if, if you want to turn with me over to, to the New Testament. So you're in the Old Testament, Genesis. Turn with me over here to Romans, Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 is all about Abraham. It's amazing. And God was setting the foundation there in the Old Testament. Here we are in the New Testament. You can read Romans 4. You can go through the whole thing. But I just want to pick up at verse 20. Listen to this in light of what we see with Abraham. Verse 20. It says, Yet he, that's Abraham, this is Romans chapter 4, did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith. Right? And what we're seeing with Abraham is the genesis of faith. It's following. It's trusting. And gave God glory, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Now notice this. It's God who takes the initiative. Right? It's God who invited Abram out of the earth of the Chaldeans. It's God who takes the initiative with you. When we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, God made us alive in Christ. God takes the initiative. God took the initiative with Abram and said, Abram, I want to enter into a covenant with you, this relationship with you. Go back to Genesis 12. And God does that with us through Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Right? It's all about him. It's what he has done for us. And he invites us into this relationship. And Abram believed. But there was still this like, God, how are you going to do this? How are you going to accomplish this? He also said to him, hey, I am the Lord who brought you out of the earth of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, oh, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? How can I know this? How can I understand this? Can you put it in a way I'll understand? And God goes, here, watch this. So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite of each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. We're reading that, we're like, what is that? What does that mean? You know, bring this heifer and, and, and I'm going to put it there. 
Well, this back in that day, the custom was if you were to enter into a contract with somebody, that you would take like this, this goat or this ram and you would cut it in two and then both parties would pass through and make a covenant, make a commitment, make a promise so that if you were saying, if I break this, may this happen to me. All right, right? Like we go and we buy a house and you go and you meet with a lawyer and you sign like all these papers, all these papers, all these papers. And you're like, wow, how much am I really paying for this house? And you're like, wow, that's crazy. But back then they didn't have lawyers, right? So they would go to the city gate and they would say, I want to buy this land. And the two parties would meet. Then they would cut these animals and then they would walk through and make this commitment, this covenant. So God says, here, Abram, let me, let me just kind of put it in a way you can understand. Bring a heifer, a goat, and do it and lay it out right there. Because I'm entering into this covenant relationship. Well, as the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. And they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. So God says, Abram, I'm gonna just kind of give you a preview of what is to come. I'm gonna tell you exactly what's gonna happen. And if you go through and read the rest of Genesis, it happens exactly like this, right? Abram ends up having a son, Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, Joseph, Joseph, if you remember, is sold by his brothers into slavery in Egypt, goes down to Egypt, becomes the second in command of all of Egypt, says to the family, there's a famine in the land, hey guys, come on over here. They go down to Egypt, and while they're in Egypt, they continue to grow. They continue to grow until a Pharaoh comes to power who knows not Joseph because Joseph's died at this point. And now after 400 years of being slaves there, they're living in that land, but God is preparing them. God's preparing so that he could send the Messiah from this group of people. And God's preparing them. And finally he sends a deliverer, Moses, and says, hey, let my people go. And the 10 plagues that come against the Egyptians, you remember all this, right? And then they come back and they inherit the land and they are as numerous as the stars in the sky. And it happened exactly like God said to Abram. Abram, you're going to die, but I'm telling you, I will fulfill it. I will come through. And well, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant. Look at that, a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates. So notice, you picture the scene, right? These two animals that are cut there. But notice it's only God who passes through. Abram doesn't pass through. It's God who passes through. And he says, I'm gonna be faithful my promise, even when you're unfaithful. Even when you can't hold it up. I'm gonna be faithful. How powerful is that? I mean, think about what Christ has done for us on the cross. When we couldn't pay the price ourselves because of our sins and our transgression, Jesus paid it all. And a relationship with God is not about what we do. It's about what he's done. And this covenant relationship that God is inviting you and I into is a 
powerful, powerful statement. It is the most important relationship of your life. When you recognize that you need a Savior, you recognize that you yield your life to God, and He becomes the most important person of all of your life, and every decision you make is in light of who He is, and you begin to live, and you begin to follow. There's only a few covenant relationships you enter into, right? This covenant with God, this covenant maybe when you stood at an altar and made a commitment to one another in this covenant of marriage, and this promise that you're making to one another, and you think about how God has called you to uphold that, a covenant with a church, when you say, hey, I'm going to join the church, you know, I'm, I'm not just going to date the church. I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to be here. I'm going to join. I'm going to be a partner. You're making that commitment. But you're seeing this covenant of faith unfold right here. And Abram is just like, wow, okay, God, you're going to be faithful. And I'm going to trust. But I still don't have a child. <laughs> and I'm 86. And God, what's going to happen what do you do in the midst of the waiting? Maybe there's a promise that you feel like God's made to you. What do you do in the midst of the waiting? Do you run after society? Do you do what society says? Or, or do you just say, I'm going to stay faithful? Maybe you think, you know, hey, I can retire early. And, and so you kind of start to go, well, wait a minute. If I, if I kind of fudge a little bit on my expense reports and, you know, I can fudge a little bit on mileage and then I can get a little bit more money and, you know, I'm supposed to retire early so I can maybe build this up. You know, I know I want to marry a godly man or a godly woman, but they're really nice, this person. They want to go out with me. They like me and they're really nice. And, you know, maybe one day we start to put into place these things. And that's what happened with Abram. And that's what happened with Sarai. Look at chapter 16. It says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. And so she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. <laughs> we sometimes try to accomplish God's will our way. Sometimes we try to accomplish God's will our way. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, God, I need this much money. And, and you know, God, I know it's, a, it, it's kind of a different job. And I know I'm going to be traveling all the time. But, but, but God, you know, I know I'll be away from my family. I'll be away from, I can't really make commitments. But, but, but God, this will end up being all right. This will end up working out okay. And Sarah starts to look at this and goes, you know what? Everybody in society, hey, they're doing this. And what she was suggesting, what she was suggesting was in line with society. It was in line with the custom of the day. But it wasn't God's will. It was in line with the custom of the day, but it wasn't God's will. See, back then, a lot of times, men would take multiple wives, right? Sometimes you read through the Bible, and you're like, man, they had a lot of wives. You know, what's going on here? Or they would have concubines, or they would have servants, and they would sleep with their servant, and their servant would have a child, and they would become a part of their family. But that wasn't God's will. God created marriage, the sanctity of marriage, right? He created Adam and Eve, and he created them. And Abram had been living that. It had just been Abram and Sarai. He's like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm different. I'm called out of the earth of the Chaldeans. I'm to be different. I'm going to love my spouse. I'm going to be there for her. We're going to trust in God. God's going to fulfill it. And Sarah starts to think, well, maybe God needs a little help. <laughs> you know, maybe God can't really fulfill this. And it does say, right, God helps those who help themselves. 
That's not in the Bible, by the way. So if you ever, somebody tells you that's in the Bible, it's not in the Bible. I mean, it's the exact opposite, right? I mean, it's like God helps those who realize they can't help themselves and we need God. So, but here she comes along and says, hey, I got this great idea. Everybody's doing it. You'll be cool. You'll be popular, Abram, you know? So, hey, go sleep with my maidservant. And you're thinking, Abram's going to be like, no, listen, 86 years I've followed God. 86 years I've trusted him. I'm staying faithful to God. I'm staying faithful to you, Sarai. No way. But it says Abram agreed. What? The patriarch Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Like, what? What are you doing? Why, why would you do this? Now, notice this. There's not a record of Abram or Sarai ever praying about this decision, is there? There's not a record of them ever saying, hey, let's stop. Let's pray about this. Let's make sure that this is of God. You know, no. They're like, we want to accomplish this. We want it our way. We're blowing through those roadblocks and we're going after it. And it's heartbreaking. And there's always, always, always consequences to this. And she became pregnant. Listen, don't take shortcuts when it comes to God's will. You're going to be tempted, and we all are every time in different ways in life. Don't take shortcuts when it comes to God's will. God is faithful. God will fulfill his promise. You hold on to him. You trust him. You follow him. Don't take shortcuts when it comes to God's will. Well, she gets pregnant. And when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Now all of a sudden, Hagar is the next big thing, right? I mean, you can imagine Abram's traveling with 318 trained men. There's probably about 1,000 people in the posse that's traveling around with Abram. And all of a sudden, this Egyptian slave girl who was just a slave over here, now she's pregnant by Abram, right? And she's the next big thing. And she's getting pregnant, you know, and Sarah's like, hey, Hagar, I need you to do this. And she's like, ah, Sarah, I can't. I'm pregnant. <laughs> you know, I know, I know it didn't work out for you, but, but I'm pregnant. Think there was a little tension in the camp? Oh yeah, right? You see, there will always, there will always be consequences when we move outside of God's will. Guys, there will always be consequences when we move outside of God's will. Some, some of you know this, right? We all know this, right? We've all made decisions and we look back and we're like, oh, why did I do that? Why did I do that? This cost me years of my life. Sin always has consequences. Well, when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. What does she do? She blames Abram, right? Is this classic Genesis 3? Isn't this classic the fall right there where Eve comes along and, and Eve gives the fruit to Adam and Adam's like, then God shows up and then they're like, well, it was her fault. It was his fault. It was the serpent's fault. I mean, this is like, we blame God. We blame others. Do you ever have creative blaming at your house? We have like creative blaming at our house. There's times that I'll be like online looking at the, you know, where did this credit card go? I'm like, Lisa, what are you doing? Why did you spend all this at Publix? And she's like, well, you asked for all that stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, it was me. You know, it's like, you know, and sometimes she'll be walking through the house, we're getting ready, and she's like, where's my purse? What did you do with my purse? I'm like, 
Well, it was brown and I had black shoes on, didn't match, so I put it down, you know, and we start laughing about it, you know, or sometimes the girls will be like screen time and they're on their iPad, that's a pass me down, they're on there, and I'm like, okay, y'all got to put that up. And they're like, but you gave it to us. We, we just pass the blame, right? As a society, we pass blame all the time. I mean, you look at our leadership and watch it. Everybody's passing blame. It's somebody else's fault. It's somebody did this. We, we blame God. We blame others. We just blame. And you're like, at some point, would somebody step up and take responsibility? At some point, would somebody step up and just take responsibility for whatever your action is? And you're thinking, okay, Abram, this is your time. Spiritual leader of the household, step in there. Here you go. <laughs> and what does Abram do? Well, your servant's in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Way to go, man. Good. You're like, come on, Abram. Dude, step up. But no. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. You see, I think this, guys, this is the key. So often, we blame God, we blame others, and at some point in our lives, we have to go, no, 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 listen, I'm the one who messed up. I'm the one who sinned. This, I think, keeps more people from coming to God than anything. And because of people who like the pride and the arrogance, no, 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 it wasn't me, it wasn't my fault, you know, and we waste all of these years instead of just stepping up and saying, God, listen, I, I blew it, I sinned, I know, I, mess- I need you. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need to confess to you. I need to confess to my wife. I need to confess. I I need to be a man after God's heart. I need to step into that role. That's how you bring healing into a marriage. That's how you bring healing into a family. That's how you bring healing into your heart and your life. Admitting is the first step to healing, right? And for us, we just got to say, when we mess up, no, 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 listen, I'm gonna, the buck stops here. I'm not going to let this mess go on. I am going to step up here and we're going to deal with it. I made a mistake. Now, maybe you're here today, man, you've been trying to live life on your own. You've been thinking, hey, you know, I've got to all figured out. At some point, we've got to realize, no, I've got to be broken before the Lord. I've got to confess, I need help. But Abram, he backs away. He doesn't even do anything. And he's just like, Sarah, you do whatever. And Hagar flees. And then verse 7. You guys, verse 7. Yeah, I believe this is one of the key verses in the Bible. This is one of my favorite verses. Because I think it's so, so powerful. And it says this. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that was beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? God pursues us. Guys, this is so powerful. God pursues us and God is drawing us to himself. And God pursued this maidservant, Hagar. God didn't just like, yo, okay, well, I'm done with you. You know, you're out. God went after her. And where was Hagar? She was on the road back to Egypt. She's headed back to Egypt, right? And Egypt represents everything that's not of God. Egypt represents all the sin and the slavery. Egypt represents the old way of life. But Hagar is on her way back to Egypt. And there's two questions that the angel of the Lord asked Hagar. And there's two questions that you and I have to answer. And it was this. Number one, where have you come from? And number two, where are you going? Where have you come from, Hagar? You came from a community of faith. You came from a community of trust. You came from a community that was trying to follow me. But where are you going? You're heading back to your old life. You're heading back to Egypt. You're heading far away from me. 
And for every one of us, we have to think about our own journey and think about our own story. Where have we come from? There's a point in our life that we made a commitment to God. There was a point in our life probably that we made a covenant relationship. God, I'm going to follow you. And God, I'm going to trust you. Maybe you were a child or a teenager or a young adult. Maybe it was last Sunday morning. I don't know. But at some point we just said, you know what? I'm entering into this faith journey with you, Lord. I'm going to be a man or a woman after your heart. But let me ask you this. Where are you going? What's the trajectory of your life? What are the decisions you're making? Are they leading you away and back to your old way of life? Are they leading you back to Egypt, back to the place where God called you out? Or are they leading you into deeper faith and deeper relationship with the Lord? Where have you come from and where are you going? And if you were to look at your life today, or look at your marriage, or look at your family, or look at where you are, man, or the decisions you're making, going backwards or are you pressing deeper in to the Lord are you saying God I'm not perfect but I want to be a man after your heart or I want to be a woman after your heart I want to be a godly husband or father I want to be a godly wife God I want more of you God I want to know you and I want to follow you and I made mistakes but God I'm pressing after you Hagar where have you come from and where are you going I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Notice this, even in her answer, she knows where she needs to be, right? I, I should be with Sarai. That, that's where I'm supposed to be. And then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. Go back and change your attitude, Hagar. Go back and submit. Maybe today you need to go back in your marriage and change your attitude. Maybe you need to go back to your kids Maybe we need to go back to work and change our attitude because God still has us there for a reason, for a purpose. And the angel added, I will so increase your descendants that, that they will be too numerous to count. Then the angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now a child and you will have a son and you shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man and his hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. Guys, I got to stop right here for a second because this is powerful. Do you realize this prophecy, we are still living in this today? Did you realize that? I had an opportunity in October to be with a, a group from our church. We're on a biblical study tour to Israel. We go every several years. And, and I'm telling you, you, you feel this tension. Right? Because when Jesus came and he brought hope and he brought life and, and Christianity began to spread and, and God's moving in a powerful way. But 600 years after Jesus, there was a guy named Muhammad. And Muhammad felt like he had this vision. And he said, wow, the Jews have, you know, their heritage and, and, and look, the Christians have, you know, Jesus and their heritage. But, but as Arabs, man, we, we need our heritage. And, and they began to trace back to Abraham, not through Abraham and Isaac, which we're going to see in a couple of weeks, the promise, but they began to go back through Abraham, Ishmael. And when we were up at the Temple Mount, and the Temple Mount in Jerusalem is like the holy place, right? It's the place where we'll see in a couple of weeks where Abraham went to sacrifice his son Isaac to the Lord, and God held his hand back and said, no, 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 that's the promise. 
And later on, David comes and Solomon, his son, builds a temple to the Lord where everybody comes to worship. And then it was destroyed but rebuilt. And when it's rebuilt, Jesus even worships there at the temple. Then it's destroyed in 70 AD. But it's the holy place for Jews and Christians would go and worship there. The early church met there. But then in 638 AD, the Arabs come in and destroy the place and build the Dome of the Rock. And when you're walking around on that place, there's people with machine guns and the tension is so thick, you can't even touch anybody else, I'm telling you. And you look at this verse and you go, whoa. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him and Arabs and Jews and Jews and Arabs and Christians and Muslims. And you're like, we're living this right now. But God's grace is bigger and God is still at work and God is redeeming and God is moving and God is pursuing every single person and drawing them to himself. And God pursued Hagar and she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. Hagar, this Egyptian maidservant, realizes that the God of all creation loves her, cares about her. God loves all people. All people matter to God. And our God is a God of love. And our God is a God of grace. And that's why the well was called Ber Laha Rahul. It is still there today between Kadesh and Barid. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Guys, God pursued Hagar because every person's important to him. And God pursued Abram. Even Abram, even after he made this huge mistake, even after he totally messed up, God continued to pursue him. And God, 13 years later, will bring the promise of Isaac and God's teaching Abram about faith and about trust. And here's the incredible truth. God pursues you. God knows your name. And God hasn't given up on you. And maybe you look back at your life and say, I've made mistakes or I've messed up. Or Listen, 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 listen. Forget it. God is with you. God is for you. God loves you. And he is the God who sees. He sees where you are in life. He sees the direction you're going. And he is constantly drawing you to himself and saying, I love you and I've got a plan for you. Do you know God knows you? He knows your name. Do you know God loves you? And God wants the best for you? So where have you come from? And where are you going? Are you going closer to him? Are you falling more in love with him? Are you walking by faith and not by sight? Where are you today? I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Our worship team's gonna come and we're gonna have a chance to respond. The same God that was with Abram is the same God who's here today. And he is the same God who loves you more than you even love yourself. Today, would you just hear him say, do not be afraid. I am your shield and I'm your very great reward. And I have your life in my hands and I'm never giving up on you. 
I've made a covenant commitment to you. Hey everyone, thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the service and we want to encourage you to reflect on today's message throughout the week. Here at Rolling Hills, our goal is to raise up a community of disciples to be the hands and feet of Christ, and we hope that you will partner with us in doing so. How do you do that? Well, here are several ways. First, join us every Sunday, either online or at one of our physical locations. Join us as we worship our God and learn more about Him and His plan for us. Second, get connected. Check out our Next Steps page on the site to find out how you can engage with us further by serving or joining a community group. And lastly, we want to invite you to partner with us financially. You can do that online through the giving section of our site. All tithes and offerings go to support our ministries both locally and internationally, enabling us to impact lives and share God's Word. Again, we are so glad you joined us today. Have a great week.